these words from Second Peter 3. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and also the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. May the Lord bless that word to our hearts as we spend time studying it. Now last week in the passage that we were studying in chapter 2 and for the past two or three weeks before that, in those words God was giving us warnings. Warning after warning about the corruptions and the misdeeds and the blasphemous behaviors that are now and that will continue in what he calls here the last days. That in those last days, these false teachers will begin to creep into our churches, bringing with them these deceptive teachings, and will lead what these scriptures call unstable souls away from believing this true, inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. And now here in chapter 3, God is again warning us, telling us that, yes, we are in these last days. And in these last days, along with those false prophets that we've been talking about for the past two or three weeks, these false teachers, that also scoffers, scoffers will join in with Satan's band of accomplices and with very clever and powerful tongues that are, he tells us here, set afire by hell itself. And they'll not only themselves deny Christ in the way that they teach their false teachings and in their scoffing, but they will do all that they can to convince you and me to do the same, to scoff right along with them. And again, I want to bring this special point of warning here that the Lord is is giving to us that these scoffers will be coming in in what is called the last days. Did scoffers scoff prior to the last days? I'm sure that they did. But he's talking about here that one of the things that will tell us that we are in in the last days of the actual existence of this earth is that we'll have scoffers. And that's no small matter to the Lord. That was a message that the Lord had given to Peter all through his ministry. We read about it right when Peter first started his ministry. 
You'll recall that while, yes, he was a strong voice while Jesus was walking this earth, as Jesus ascended into heaven, Peter became the leader of this church. And one of his first messages in Acts chapter 2 is about this very thing. This very thing, the last days, this message telling us that we are in the last days. And he began to give this message of this being in the last days. And he said, now, what's going to take place is this looking forward to, with anticipation, the return of Christ. And it'll have two effects on people. For those who know Christ as their Savior, they will have this joyous reunion with Christ. But for those who do not know Him, it will be a very ominous and, and fearful, fear-filled encounter. Let me read this. This is in Acts chapter 2. And this is Peter quoting the prophet Joel, who had first given these words probably around 700 years earlier. This is Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, Peter says. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here is this fear-filled message saying to us that there surely will come a time when God will call to a close all that's taking place here on this earth. Now, may I ask you, what kind of response do these words cause within your own heart? Do you believe them? Do you believe not only that, yes, there will be a time that God will call all of this to a close, but do you also believe that it's any time soon? Perhaps real soon. I ask you because, sadly, and that's what he's saying here, Sadly, it's clear that most Christians do not take these words to be real truth. At least, not for right now. Perhaps for maybe a hundred years from now. How many times have you heard Christians make statements like that? Yeah, I believe the Lord's coming back, but probably not anytime soon. Let me say to you, by choosing to think that way, and it's an intentional choice on our part, what we decide to think about these words. By choosing to think that way, we have become like these scoffers. We have joined our voices with these scoffers. Do you want to be a scoffer? You and I need to examine the way we respond to these scriptures. Because if we make statements like, well, God told us that we'd never know when he is going to return. And he did say that. Jesus said, you'll never know the day or the hour when I'll return. And so we'll use that kind of 
rationale to say, well, we just shouldn't even be looking for it. But let me assure you that in verses that we'll cover next week, he talks about that we should always be looking up, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. You and I do not want to unintentionally even join in with the scoffers by giving this indication that, well, nothing's taken place over these last two or three thousand years, so probably it's not going to happen today. That's wrong. On the authority of these words, that's wrong. You and I should never even be considering things like that. You and I should be taking these words for what they mean and say, Yea, Lord, these are the last days. And you could come back at any time. And so I plead with you and me that we not join in, either intentionally or unintentionally, with these scoffers. These really are the last days. And you and I ought to be looking forward with great anticipation for Jesus to return. Now remember, and I want to remind us, those of us who are saved, Jesus' return will really be a joyous gathering. Joyous beyond our imagination. And one of the reasons why these scoffers would be raising their voices in our ears is they would like to cheat us out of enjoying that moment when Jesus will burst through those clouds. And He will do that. Now again, we do not know the day or the hour. He has said that we will not know the day or the hour of His return. He did that for a reason. If we knew that He was coming on December 1st of this year, we would act very differently than if we knew He was coming back on December 1st of next year. He did not want us to know the exact time because He knows the hearts of men and women and He knows that we'll govern ourselves by that. And so He said, you'll not know the day or the hour. But He did say this. He said, you will know the signs. When you start to see the signs, then you'll know that the time is near. And He gave us an example. The fig tree. He says, when the fig tree starts to sprout out its leaves, you know that it's beginning to get in a condition to where it's going to be fruitful. He says, and just the same as that, you ought to be able to look at the signs of the times and know what's getting ready to take place. And so then, right after that, he gives these other signs. And I want you to listen to them. And I want you to think, do these not sound very familiar to you? Especially considering what's taking place in our world today. And what has been taking place for the past, this, this generation. Listen to this. This is in Luke chapter 21 beginning in verse 10. He said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilence. And there will be terrors and great signs from the heavens. But but before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you'll be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your mind, not to meditate beforehand on how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and a wisdom 
which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Now think through the words that I just got through saying. Those natural disasters. How many have we had in the past just few short years? We, over 200,000 people were killed in Southeast Asia with that tsunami that came through. And that was, what, 10, 15 years ago? 200,000 were killed in Haiti by the earthquake. How many of these recent storms have come through that have been just especially damaging? Catastrophic natural disasters. They're building more and more. Yes, the scoffers will say, oh, that's been going on for hundreds of years or thousands of years. Yes, it has. But is the frequency starting to converge? Then this other sign, nation rising up against nation. Our world is at war with itself. Nations all within this latest offensive to try to retake Mosul from the ISIS terrorists. And there you have fathers and mothers sacrificing their own families because some believe in the Sharia law and others don't. And so the ISIS terrorists are killing Family members, Israel, Iran, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Russia, right there in the middle. Russia, right there in the middle, agitating, agitating. Russia is not there to help anyone. They are there to agitate. And they are doing an excellent job of it. We may have time over the next couple of weeks to talk about it. Ezekiel 38. Many of the Bible scholars believe that Gog and Magog speaks of Russia and their involvement. But this is all taking place now. We started here in America and with 9-11. These are all part of the signs. Signs of the time. And they speak of these last days that Scripture is talking about. And what Peter is saying to us here is, if you don't watch out, you'll be lulled into this kind of sleep, stupor, where you say, ah, they've been saying that for generations or hundreds of years. And so he says, I want to stir you up in remembrance. I want to give these warnings to tell you, and and as we talked last week, that it's going to be false teachers coming into your churches, telling you all sorts of things that are not in these Scriptures. Getting you to believe all these things that are not in these scriptures. Seeking to lead you and, and who are unsaved even further into that unstable condition. But also too, to cause some of us who truly believe to backslide. To be confused and backslide. And as Ephesians 6 reminds us, we have to always remember that behind all of this that's going on is Satan. He is the power and the voice behind these false teachers and these false prophets, these scoffers. And what he's hoping to do is to lull us into this stupor so that when suddenly 
that great and magnificent, awesome day takes place, that it'll be too late for us. And that we'll just simply slide unknowingly into the burning pit of hell with Him. You know, I thought as I was reading through this, Satan surely knows every word of the prophecies. What Revelation, the book of Revelation teaches, that his end, his end is the burning pit of hell. Satan knows those words perfectly. Why wouldn't he be, if he's so smart, which he is, why wouldn't he be about trying to save himself? If he knows what his end is. Because what he apparently is content with is just to grab hold of you and me and drag us down into the pit of hell with him. That makes no sense to us who believe. But sadly, listen, sadly, that is the way of the unsaved heart and mind. The unsaved person is not reaching out there to grab more people and tell them to come to Christ and be saved. What they want to do instead is have misery loving company. One friend comes to another friend and says, I'm being mistreated by my boss. I'm being mistreated by my husband, my wife, my boyfriend, my girlfriend. The friend that they come to, instead of giving godly answers and counsel, what usually takes place? They usually just sit there over their cup of coffee or their beer and they commiserate. One telling the other just how bad things are. And they both walk away from that conversation having accomplished nothing other than both of them just enjoying each other's misery. And then on a national scale, you see, well, even worse taking place. You see abortions. There's a lot of abortions taking place across our country, but let me assure you that for every abortion that's taking place, there are 10,000 people who are screaming, these scoffers, are screaming for our government and every one of us to accept their immorality of killing their babies. Women have a right to choose to kill their children. That's the chorus that you're hearing from the scoffers today. They're not, themselves are not having the abortions, but they are going to scream out this scoffing in the face of God saying, these other people, though, they have a right to kill their children. Same thing with homosexual behavior. Those who would call themselves homosexuals are a very, very small percentage of the population. I've been told one to two, perhaps three percent at the most. But there are millions of people that are screaming out their cause. They are scoffing. And they are saying, but they have a right to be who they want to be. Standing in the face of God. You see, they're not trying to help those lost people. They're not trying to help that young woman who has gotten pregnant. They just want to drag them down into the pit with them. And that is the way of Satan. See, that's what he's wanting to do with all of us. He's not trying to find out a way that he can keep himself out of hell. He's just looking to drag more of us with him. But folks, for you and me, who have declared that we have given our heart to Christ, and that we are Christians, we need to behave differently. We cannot join in with them. 
when you and I were born again from above, as Scripture says we, we were when we received Christ, our minds were renewed. And you and I are to no longer think the way that we used to think. We're not to join in with those scoffers saying, oh, but the homosexual folks should have their own way if they want it. The women who want to kill their babies, they ought to be able to choose to kill their children. The Lord is saying that you and I are in the midst of that today. And He's talking here. And I want to quickly cover a couple more things before we run out of time. Satan, he has drawn these battle lines. And he has called his work crews in to work. He called in his false teachers that we talked about last week. This week he called in his scoffers. And he puts them out there on the, on the battle lines. And he puts them where they will do the most good. The scoffers are silver-tongued spokespersons. Turn on Fox News, MSNBC, CNN. I have, don't necessarily want to throw stones at CNN. But CNN would position themselves in between Fox and MSNBC. And they say, well, we're middle of the road. No, they're not. Look at their webpage today. They're scoffers. They're scoffers. Unfortunately, so are those in Fox News. So are those in MSNBC. Scoffers. They are spokespersons with silver tongues convincing you and me to believe what they want us to believe. They don't always say, oh, Christ is not coming back. They don't even mention His name. What they do, though, is they use other diversions. Like right now, one of the biggest diversions. You cannot turn on your television or your news web pages and not find all the furor that's going on about who's going to be elected president. A few days ago, I was listening to this report on a poll that was taken of evangelical voters. And those evangelical voters were asked, what do you most look for in a president? And the vast percentage, the biggest percentage of those who were asked, they said, the thing that we look for most in a president is how they will help us with our economy. My personal finances. These are evangelical voters. Does that tell you anything? Their mind, their heart, their soul is in their wallet. Way down, 4%, 4% said they want the incoming president to have a higher degree of morality and Christian principles. What does that tell you about these last days and about us as believers? Satan is clever. He uses these silver-tongued scoffers to get us diverted in what our thoughts ought to be. To where we're thinking mostly about finances rather than the morality of our nation. Before we close, I want to ask you again, do you believe that we are entering into the very last days? That we are in the last days, but we are coming closer and closer to the very last days. When as Acts 2.20 will tell us, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day. Do you believe 
that that is now. That that's sooner than it's ever been. I'd like to close with a warning. It really does not matter what you and I choose to believe about all of this. We want to think that that makes a difference. But it doesn't. What really makes a difference is God, His Word is true. Everything that He says in these Scriptures will take place. They will. Whether we want to believe it or not. Whether we want to stand there scoffing or not. God and His Word is true. And everything He says in here will take place. Now the good thing is, and I want to leave you with this thought. The good thing is that you and I, if we have not turned our heart to Christ, we still do have time. Because we still do have today. But this may be the last day. But we still have today that we can turn our hearts to Christ and believe in Him and be saved. And if we do, then these words of Acts 2, verse 21, will be so pleasant to us. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you have not taken that step, you must today. Let's pray.